the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you're vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have. Because otherwise, people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? What is the carrot going to be, guys? Oh my gosh, we're going to talk about the vaccine today because guess what? Our President Joe Biden, fully vaccinated, uh, fully boosted, he just got COVID. And ironically, today is July 21st. And on July 21st, 2021, Joe Biden told everybody in America that you will not get COVID if you get vaccinated. Fascinating timing on this. We're going to look a little deeper into that situation. We're going to look at the fact that AOC faked being handcuffed and now is calling us conspiracy theorists for calling out her bad acting um, because there's actually a lot of implications on a deeper level to her tactics there. And then weird story after story was coming out this week. I was watching it all unfold of more teachers being exposed for just absolute radical behavior regarding pronouns and gender political ideology in the classroom with our babies. Another case for you to take power back from the government, back from the teachers unions and the woke left that have fully taken over that system. It's time for us to take power back and start educating our children. First of all, education is a lifelong approach. You should never stop learning and we should never just assume that by sending our kids onto a yellow school bus all day all monday through friday they're going to come back at the end of the day and at the end of their learning experience when they're 18 and be good strong educated and well-functioning citizens of the country it's just not going to happen we need to really rethink education so i wanted to touch on a few of the stories there That really got me frustrated. Um, That being said, thanks for tuning in. We announced that we are officially with Salem Media, Salem Podcast Group, officially as of Monday this week. So it's been a fun week to get started and to launch with them. I am really thankful for you guys to listen. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and please share this onto the internet and let them know that you get educated on politics by listening to this show. With that being said, let's get on into it. So you guys, I played a little audio for you a little bit uh, at the beginning because that was one of my favorite clips of that that doctor that would go on the news and say, what's the carrot going to be if we don't hold things over people's head to get them to get vaccinated? Remember that? Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? She was like, oh, if we just let them do their normal things in their life, like run their businesses and send their kids to a wholesome school and get educated in person instead of staring at a screen for eight hours a day, what's going to drive them to comply with our demands? If you're vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have, because otherwise people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway. What's the carrot going to be? What's the carrot going to be? So with that being said... I found an article, uh, Breitbart, it's by John Nolt, and it really just puts a cherry on top of the entire situation we're dealing with today. Now, 
I'm always kind of slow to look at social media in the day. I don't know about you guys. I like to have a balance. I use social media for marketing only. And I'm a little slow to check sometimes, but it's basically like me checking the newspaper back in the old days of what they used to do. I just go to see the news. So today, I hadn't seen the news about Biden having COVID. And I see my friend post a meme, and it's Kamala Harris winking. And the caption was like, coming soon or something like that. And I said, oh no, did he die? Or, oh no, did they overthrow him? Or is he resigning? Or are they forcing him out with the 25th Amendment? You don't know these days. I have no idea. I would totally expect that though from the radical left. And so I'm assuming something worse happened. No, Biden just has COVID. Now you could get a little more political, a little more Alex Jonesy here if you want to get creative with it. I, hey, my bar is really low for expectations of these people. I totally see them saying, oh, Biden has COVID. He's got to leave. Let's put Kamala Harris in. I even heard somebody talking earlier today about how he could technically appoint uh, Michelle Obama to take Kamala's place. Is that true? I've got to look more into that. I heard it late last night and I said, please tell me this is a joke um, because apparently in D.C., Apparently in D.C., according to some of my friends that are there, rumbles around the town are that Michelle Obama might be a, a front runner for president of the United States next. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, if it happens, I'll be here talking about it with you. Now, this John Knoll article from Breitbart, it says one year ago today to the date, July 21st, 2021. Today's July 1st, 2022. One year ago today, Joe Biden said vaccinated cannot get covid uh, he said, while we all wish Joe Biden a fast and full recovery, because of course we do, you guys, from the coronavirus, let's not forget all the COVID misinformation he has been spreading for years. It was exactly one year ago, one year ago to the day that Biden told the country the COVID vaccination would protect you from being infected. On July 21st, 2022, the White House announced that the twice vaccinated and twice boosted Joe Biden. So he's gotten four shots. He now has coronavirus. On July 21st, 2021, one year ago from today, Joe Biden told the country that the vaccinated could not get the coronavirus. So it's a long quote that they add in here, and I'm going to show you the clip in a little bit. But basically, last year on this day, Joe Biden said, the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, you're okay. Because remember, he talks like that, so it's all weird looking. But his sentence is, they're, you're okay. You're not going to, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations, emphasis added. So it says Biden spread that blatant misinformation during a CNN town hall event. And what do you know? The CNN moderator, Don Lamont, <laughs> he did not challenge or correct Biden. They never do. These people never get challenged. But earlier in the event, Biden admitted that the vaccinated could get COVID and then spread the following misinformation. He said, you're not in a position where if you get vaccinated, your life is in danger, end quote. So earlier in the event, he had said, yeah, you could get vaccinated, or if you get vaccinated, you could get COVID, but your life won't be in danger. So then later on in the event, he says, if you get vaccinated, you can't get COVID, you won't get COVID. And Don Lemon does not confront him at all. That's how these people get away with it, because the media is supposed to be the check on politicians on behalf of the people. That's the whole point. They are, are basically our representation. That's why the White House press pool, they're supposed to have hard questions. They're supposed to challenge Jen Psaki, because on behalf of the American people, they're asking the questions that the people need to know. They are given access to the White House in the White House press briefing room, the White House press pool, and then they report back to the people. 
So what do you do when all they're asking, all the mainstream media, they're just saying, where's Joe Biden getting his ice cream today? Or what's his favorite ice cream flavor? We heard he has a dog. Did the dog bite someone? The only people that you're seeing are really from, I think, the Daily Caller. You have some people from Daily Wire, maybe. And then, like, Peter Ducey, his videos go viral all the time because they ask the hard questions. What sucks is when you have Jen Psaki, the normalization of, oh, I'll circle back. Kaylee McEnany had an answer for everything. And if she didn't know a specific piece of information because it was breaking, she would say, I'm going to get right on that. But Jen Psaki normalized the use of the term, I'll circle back, I'll circle back, I'll circle back. And that became what their answer was for any hard question, because then they could avoid having that bad answer go viral on the internet like it should. So this is where things get really frustrating, because Biden says first in the event last year that if he get vaccinated, You'll get COVID, but it won't be life-threatening. You won't potentially die from it. And then later on in the event, he says, if you get vaccinated, you won't get COVID at all. But it turns out, the article says, while it's true the vaccine does mitigate the coronavirus symptoms and your risk of hospitalization and death, it was not accurate for Biden to claim straight up that, quote, you're not going to be in a position where you, where your life is in danger. Because three months after he made this claim, you guys, it says 10,000 587 fully vaccinated Americans died from coronavirus. I'll repeat that. After Biden claimed that you will not get COVID once you're vaccinated, and then you at least will not die if you get COVID when you're vaccinated, 10,587 people that were fully vaccinated died in a three-month span after that statement from coronavirus. So, Then it says that wasn't the end of Biden's misinformation campaign. Shocker. In December of 2021, he falsely claimed that the vaccinated could not spread the coronavirus. Okay. (laughs) The fact that the White House is now quarantining Biden proves that to be untrue. Of course, the vaccinated can catch and spread the China flu. Oh, man. Okay. So what I love about technology. I could give you a million complaints. I think it's very bad when people become obsessed with it. They're always staring at their screens. We know this. If you watch the show, if you listen to the show, we're on the same page probably about the overuse of social media and technology. But there is something so powerful and good about the fact that we now have footage in this modern era of technology and video. Everything is about media. And politicians are caught all the time going back on what they said a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, two years ago. And what's really powerful is to see Democrats and the left talking 10 years ago about, oh, we need to secure the border and we need to stop illegal immigration. And now you're called a a racist and a replacement theory conspiracy theorist for worrying about illegal immigration at the border. That was them in a 10-year span changing that much. So I love, I think the most powerful thing you could do to change someone's mind and their heart and their vote is to show them clips of politicians lying and being dishonest or at least just completely flipping their switch on a policy position. And it clearly is like, okay, they didn't think it through and then say, wow, gee, I've really changed my mind here. No, they're just going with the tide with whatever will win over their base and their base is becoming more and more radical. So with that being said, I'll get off my little high horse here on that one. There is a fascinating clip put together by townhall.com that I want to show you guys of Biden with four different times that he claimed the vaccines stopped the spread of COVID. Keep in mind, double vaccinated, double boosted, President Joe Biden now has coronavirus. Because you can't build a wall high enough to keep out a, 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 a vaccine. The vaccine can stop 
the spread of these diseases. And so everybody talks about freedom and not to have a to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? And so how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? What about that? What's the big deal? We're not in a position where we think that any virus, including the Delta virus, which is much more transmissible and more deadly in terms of non-unvaccinated people, the, vi- the, the, the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Continue to spread the diseases. And so we should think of in the patriotic duty. Whether you're, whether you're working in a supermarket to make sure you have been vaccinated so you're not spreading anything to anyone else, or you're not likely to get the virus, whatever virus, and Delta still is the worst. Okay. Um, before we move on, because we're about to, f- closing thought on this. If you're one of those people that's like, yeah, let's get him out and let's replace him, like we need to get rid of this guy, he's ridiculous, he's crumbling, just so you guys know, first of all, Biden isn't, really pulling any strings here. This is all about the faceless bureaucratic and political staffers that are throughout Washington, D.C. They have amassed so much power and influence that they just use him as a puppet. And no matter what, even if you think he's just an old, uh, mentally not there man who has been in office too long and and maybe is making bad decisions because he's just getting older and it's, it's the aging, it's really not the case at all we are seeing some of the most radical leftist policies enacted by this man. So the left really thrives when they have a puppet in charge that doesn't seem as threatening. If AOC came in and was like, we're going to get rid of the oil industry, we're going to seize the means of production of gas. If you have Maxine Waters, there's footage of her from a few years ago saying, we're going to seize the means of production. I want to socialize the energy industry. When you see that kind of stuff, it's freaky. But now when they have Joe Biden being like, uh, I uh I don't remember what I said last year. Last year did I did I say that I want to end the fossil fuel industry? Well, no, 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 no. No. We we need more oil. The guy doesn't make any sense and I say that he actually benefits from being so discombobulated, so confused on camera because it kind of um adds an element of oh he doesn't know what he's doing. He, this is just clearly messy. Let's replace him with somebody who's a little smarter. If we replace him with Kamala Harris, she's a little bit more mentally there. But she's very unlikable, so that's one thing. But no matter what, this is the lesson. No matter who's in office, Biden and what we're seeing now is a representation of all of the policy platform of the radical left. They have moved the Overton window, which is the... I don't know how to properly explain this. The Overton window is what is generally accepted as normal in society of like political discourse. Back 10 years ago, the normal discourse was that Republicans and Democrats agreed illegal immigration was bad, we need to have a secure border, and then we disagreed on a few things here and there. Now the Overton window has shifted so far to the left that when we say we're concerned about illegal immigration, we're accused of being racist, we're accused of um, falling for replacement theory, which is the concern that white people are being replaced by people of color. And it gets a lot more complicated than that. But the left is saying we need to welcome and New York City, they're allowing illegal citizens to vote, and that just got blocked by the New York Supreme Court. But they are completely radical. They have shifted the Overton window to the left. And so now that normalized conversation is what is taking place these days. 
That's going to happen no matter who is in office. Unless we see a a Democrat stand up to the radical socialist left and the woke totalitarian left and say, we're going to bring this shit back to the center, we're not going to see a difference between uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Michelle Obama in terms of the actual policies pushed out. We are just seeing the representation of their entire side right now and look at the devastation that it's caused. So don't cheer just because Joe Biden might be on his way out. That being said, I hope he recovers and um, his health improves quickly. Amen. Um, Let's move on. All right, let's talk about my favorite uh, communist, the antithesis of Morgan Zeggers. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. Okay, I'm going to give you guys the, what's, it, what's that thing called where people in high school would search it? Oh, the, the quick notes, what was it? Quick note. I, I can't remember, but remember when you wouldn't read a book and then you'd go and you would read just the, the website summary of the book before your assignment in high school. I didn't do that, but I know everybody, a lot of people did. Um, I'm going to give you a quick version of what just happened. There was a big protest in Washington, D.C., Supreme Court, Capitol Hill, it's a whole complex. The Democrats were there protesting the overturning of Roe v. Wade. When Roe v. Wade was overturned, abortion did not become illegal in the country. It was not banned. It just was decided by the court that, hey, the right to an abortion is not an actual constitutional right because it's not written anywhere in the Constitution. They said that, according to Roe, Roe tried to make the case and did make the case for 50 years that under the Due Process Clause, under the Bill of Rights, you have a right to privacy, and part of that right to privacy is the right to make the private decision to abort your child. Uh, The Supreme Court, what we saw in, I think, Alito's uh, exposed, remember that leaked draft? He was saying... Yeah, people have the right to make private decisions in many instances, and we don't want to stop that. But this is different because you're saying this private decision should be a private decision even though it's ending another human's life. And so it's it's not just another easy, quick private decision that we're talking about here. Um, that's a totally, totally simplified version of the events that was ha- taking place in the road decision. So that got struck down. That being said, if it's not in the Constitution, the 10th Amendment of the Bill of Rights says that whatever is not in the Constitution is under state jurisdiction. It's handled by the states. That's why we also say the Department of Education is unconstitutional and should not exist. Education is a state level issue and should be handled by states and local governments. But I'm not going to go on a rant on that one right now. You know I could. Um, Because of that, the overturning of Roe v. Wade didn't ban abortion. It just sent the decisions on abortions back to states. Now, people are saying this is the end of democracy, and I'll read that in a second. I'm looking at an Axios article, actually, about 17 House Democrats arrested for abortion rights rally. Congresswoman Maloney, she said, there is no democracy if women do not have control over their own bodies and decisions about their own health, including reproductive care. So speaking of democracy, what's fascinating is when you give more control to the people and when you spread out power and you decentralize it, you're actually pushing forward and you're furthering democracy values, republic um, 
core principles, the idea that the people should have the power. And so when you're saying that people at a state level, state legislators, which are closer and represent smaller groups of people, and so they have stronger voices on behalf of the issues, on behalf of their uh, people that they're representing, when that's handed down to the states and to local uh, governments, it's actually a decision closer to the people of those areas, of those states and communities. And so it's furthering democracy and a constitutional republic that we have here in the country but then as soon as the left doesn't get a decision that they want they say that this is an attack on democracy no it's actually giving the people more choice over this more voice in the decision making process and in the legislative process to hand that power back to the states so it's unfortunate to see that but the earlier parts of this axios article just so that you guys can understand the the big picture here it says 17 house democrats were detained tuesday at an abortion rights rally protesting the supreme court decision for roe v wade being overturned it says u.s capitol police warned them three times to stop blocking a street near the supreme court so it's one thing to protest it's another to block the street my big lesson here and my big evaluation on this is that after 2020 they learned their lesson about allowing leftist protesters to stop traffic that was traumatizing to many people people were pulled out of their vehicles people were beaten their cars were smashed protesters jumped on vehicles and it once you start to appease that kind of behavior it gets out of control and they learned that in 2020 i think that's why we saw a quick shutdown by capitol police here of listen you're not We're not playing around in the streets. We're not stopping traffic. We're not doing anything at intersections, in the roads, on the highways, nothing. We have seen throughout this year, whenever they try and protest, an immediate response by law enforcement. And I think that's very, very smart on their part. So it says that 17 members of Congress were a part of this road-blocking protest, and they got arrested. The funny thing is, I found out about this. Again, I don't check social media enough, so I've, I've got to get faster with it. But I find out about this story because it's going viral that AOC was one of the people getting arrested. The rest of the squad was arrested. So Cori Bush, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and then a bunch of other people that aren't in the squad. But um, I, I first heard about this because AOC was faking having her hands handcuffed behind her back and she's holding them because the front facing video and picture looks super badass for her right like she is she's being walked away by police she's got her hands behind her back and she's she's got a grin on her face like she's smug and happy to get arrested for her cause but you guys she's she's holding her hands in a way that looks like she has handcuffs on and the police officers just escorting her <laughs> down the road to the area where they were holding everybody who was getting in trouble. They weren't like being carted off to jail. They were just brought to a, an area where they were detained for blocking the road and they were trying to stop them from blocking the road. And so AOC's holding her hands and getting walked away. And the viral video right now is that AOC, it looks like she forgets that she's supposed to be acting. And she picks her hand up from behind her back and waves at protesters. And then she's like, oh, and she puts it back down. And so it's just, it really does go to show we have so many issues in the country right now. And did them protesting in the street really do anything other than get them really cool footage that looked like they got arrested for a leftist cause? now okay so we've got a lot going on and they're over there playing pr stunts but this is really funny to see them get busted now that being said that's not where the story ends republicans favorite hobby is to make conspiracy theories out of everything to distract you and keep you from talking about what's actually important which is the fact that they are trying to take away your right to bodily autonomy 
If I was faking that, why would I intentionally fist pump somebody? I want to show you a funny clip from Tucker because he really calls her out on this one and for the general PR stunts that they like to, to carry out. So today, several of the feistier members of Congress, that would include Sandy Cortez and Ilhan Omar, both famous on Instagram, decide to block traffic in front of the Supreme Court because girl power means blocking traffic. And that's when police officers did something they've never done before. Those mean cops put both Sandy Cortez and Ilhan Omar in invisible handcuffs and led them away with their hands behind their back. You're seeing those images on the screen right now. Now, several media outlets picked up these images as proof that Sandy Cortez and Ilhan Omar are deeply oppressed. For Sandy Cortez, the trauma was real. Totally, it was her lived experience. She was wearing a coat in 90-degree heat. It's just the latest harrowing tale of Sandy Cortez's tenure in Congress, her life since Boston University. You may recall that nearly a year and a half ago, she almost died. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has given a harrowing account of her experience on January 6th. A harrowing and emotional account of what happened to her during the Capitol riot. It's one of the most harrowing accounts so far. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, tell that harrowing story. The harrowing story of how she hid from attackers during the Capitol riot. Boom, boom, boom. Disclosing new harrowing details. <laughs> Being Casey Hunt looking right into the camera. Harrowing. It's very harrowing. Okay, yeah. So, you guys, (laughs) she's getting a lot of flack right now because this is very similar to uh, the previous PR stunt where she did an entire Instagram live after January 6th that um, she tells this story basically making it seem like once the protesters breached the Capitol, she understood what was going on at the time and was very nervous and um, someone came and knocked on her door and said, where is she? Where is she? And she was worried that she was about to get attacked by a January 6th protester when in reality it was a Capitol police officer one hour before the Capitol was breached and she was in a building, not the Capitol, but one of the house office buildings where her office is, which is completely detached other than underground tunnels and it was an hour before the Capitol was breached. It was just a Capitol police officer saying, where is she? Because he was going to come get her for her safety. And so she made an entire Instagram live. And then the mainstream media shared this harrowing, harrowing story about uh, how she almost had her life at risk. So people eventually put two and two together and realized that, wait, she's making it seem like once the Capitol was breached, she heard banging and got freaked out, which kind of makes some sense. But then it became, oh, wait. It was an hour before anything in the Capitol was breached. And not only that, she wasn't in the Capitol. So she was saying that people made it through the tunnels. None of it made sense. But what do you know? The mainstream media took it and ran with it. So it's really unfortunate that they have to act like that. It's really unfortunate that they have to continue this kind of behavior. But it made me remember a post that I wanted to share with you guys of just There are some serious problems going on in the country. There are people that are serious about solving those problems. And then there are other people that are dead set on causing chaos. And so it's by Marissa Strait. She is, I think she still is, CEO of Prager University. And I think she's awesome. She posted to Instagram yesterday and she said, why is there so much violence and lawlessness in America? I'll tell you why. Because there is an entire party, an entire ideology that is dedicated to creating chaos. It's not just one person. 
It's an entire group of politicians. These are people who think that in the name of what they believe is, quote, right and fair, they can support riots. They violate the law and even get arrested. They make getting arrested funny and trivial. These politicians are the darlings of the media who are protected by them and therefore are never publicly condemned. So let me ask you, what is the worst influence on your children? The one president who you didn't like how he speaks or tweets? Or the entire party that continues to create resentment, intolerance towards diverse opinions, racial divide, and violence with no consequence? Wake up, America. It's time to get your head out of the sand. And I thought that was so smart. So, so smart. Let's move on. All right, last section. To close out the episode, I want to let you guys know about something. Now, I when I started Young Americans Against Socialism, my nonprofit, where we interview survivors from communist countries for the show called The Freedom Records, it's at thefreedomrecords.com. When I started that in 2019, I started doing a lot of speeches at college campuses for classrooms of kids to explain to them the history of radical leftists in different countries, the tactics that they use, the groups that are now present in America that they need to be aware of, and the solutions moving forward for how we can combat them in politics. And so one of the tactics that I would talk about is the changing of language, the manipulation of language, and they would do this to distort history, but also to control the current narrative and the current political debate. So a book that I would always reference is The Road to Serfdom by Frederick Hayek. It was one of the first political books that I've read. I recommend you guys read that soon. I really recommend that you guys get that book and read it. It was written in the 1900s, and it talks about tactics of the left and what really brings a society down the road to serfdom, where the people are controlled by a small group at the top. And it talks a lot about socialists specifically. So he would talk about how even back then, and in the early phases of the the 20th century when we saw the rise of the radical left, they would change the meanings of basic words. And what I would talk about in my speeches after that was think of words like justice and peace and equality and equity and justice. All of these things that sound like great words, when they use them, they have different meanings because when they hear justice, they think that it is just to have a small business burn in the name of Black Lives Matter. They, When communities were burning during the riots, they said, well, yeah, you guys have business insurance. You have property insurance. When your business burns down, it's just physical property, whereas we're saving black lives, and that's about justice. So clearly they have a perverse version of what justice really means. So one of the sections from the road to serfdom that stood out was that this is a tactic they've always used. And he says the most effective way of making people accept the validity of values they are to serve is to persuade them that they are really the same as those they have always held, but which were not properly understood or recognized before. And the most efficient technique to this end is to use the old words, but change their meaning. Few traits of totalitarian regimes are at the same time so confusing to the superficial observer and yet so characteristic of the whole intellectual climate as this complete perversion of language. Now, in my speech, I would talk about this book and that section of the page, 
or that section of the book. And then I would talk about the words that the left likes to change. I mean, they even do it with socialism. Socialism is when the government seizes the means of production, nationalizes major industries. They're very clear about how they want to do these things. And then when we say, well, that makes us like Venezuela in the future and that will ruin our country, they say, oh, no, we'll end up like Nordic Europe because we're democratic when we talk about socialism. We will democratically elect our leaders. Uh, Guys, socialism is an economic policy. Whether you seize power violently in a country or you're democratically elected to power in a democracy or a constitutional republic even, if you implement economic socialism, guess what? The result is the same. Absolute devastation. So that's a manipulation of words. Now, what I would also talk about are examples. And so um, leading into 2020, we also saw this. They changed the meanings of words like, um, oh, I'm trying to remember what it was. It, oh, je, uh, sexual preference was one that was really, really big. Sexual preference was when Amy Coney Barrett had her Supreme Court hearing to begin become a potential justice. She said that she won't judge someone based on sexual preference when the left was asking her because they kind of wanted to catch her in something. And she said, I won't judge someone based on their sexual preference. And that was supposed to be a kind thing. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the left wing Supreme Court justice, that the left loved. She said sexual preference before. Joe Biden has used that term before. It was a normal term until they needed to catch and make an issue, a crisis out of, out of nothing. And so they twisted it by the end of the day. I kid you not. It went from the reaction of leftist politicians hearing the word sexual preference in the hearing. They were freaking out. Then what do you know? Mainstream media picks it up. It becomes a, a popular story that day. There's a ton of headlines about how rude Amy Coney Barrett was for using an archaic term like sexual preference because, oh, it's not a preference. You, It's not a choice. You're, you're born to love who you love. And so it's not a preference. It's not something you can change is what they were saying. So then by the end of the day, the dictionary online, it was either Oxford or Merriam-Webster, they changed the term of sexual preference online to have an ash that said offensive term in italicized letters on the website. So they changed the definition of that word by the end of the day, all from this one interaction. Fascinating when Joe Biden and Ruth Bader Ginsburg had used that word before. So they also did the same, remember with, uh, Uh, what was it? I think vaccination or a lot of the words with COVID, they were changing that kind of stuff. Oh, herd immunity is what it was. And so herd immunity used to have to do with the level of vaccination or level of infection in a population, because whether you were vaccinated or you naturally got it and weren't able to get it again in a more threatening way, that was creating herd immunity. Remember that concept? I mean, that was something we all understood for a very long time. Well, well, well. That didn't fit the narrative. And so once again, they changed online the definition, or no, it was World Health Organization. During COVID, they changed the definition of herd immunity on their website to no longer include natural infection. And it was only the level of vaccination in a population. Disturbing. So the most recent one is what I want to talk to you guys about today. They changed the definition of girl, Merriam-Webster, Yesterday, or two days ago, July 19th, changed the definition of girl on their online dictionary. Girl used to say a female child from birth to adulthood or a young woman. The definition is now a female child from birth to adulthood or a person whose gender identity is female. They changed the definition of girl. They did that. I just, I can't believe that I allow myself to be shocked by these things, really, guys. Um, So what happens when when this is taking place? How does this happen? It's because adults, 
that don't know enough about these radical gender, political, ideological actors. They don't know enough about them and how they are doing this on purpose. They don't understand that this is all political, and then they comply with it. Here's a good example. This was just played on New Mexico, a New Mexico news station. They aired a three-minute segment about how to properly appease the radical left and their desire for whatever pronoun you want to be called. Pronouns in the workplace. Do you know what your coworker prefers? Well, joining me today is Heather Talamante, founder of Tell Us About Yourself, Inc. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Of course. Good to have you back. So sure. first off, let's talk about DEI in the workplace, and that's better known as diversity, equity, and inclusion. How do we go about the discussion of pronouns? So essentially, the employee will reach out and say, hey, this is my preferred pronoun. This is how I would like to be addressed in the workplace how we go about it is by respecting their request right so you want to make sure when they say this is what i would like to be referred to um we address it and we we honor that and we uh moving forward use that term whether it's he she they them their whatever Mm -hmm. they would like to use we want to make sure we honor that request and make them feel comfortable in the workplace is it appropriate for someone to ask what someone's preferred pronoun usages are you probably wouldn't want to ask that person would ask you okay so you know if you um if they haven't fully made the decision on what pronoun they would like to use let them come around to that decision and then ask. Um, if they haven't asked yet, it's not safe to assume. We don't want to make any assumptions. Right. Yeah. So this is going to um, have make people be more patient or have to be patient. You do. You have to be patient. If you are the employee that is asking for a new preferred pronoun or a pronoun that's not necessarily natural for individuals yet, uh, just be patient as they learned to use the new pronoun or to address you by that pronoun. Um, also, if as you're learning to address an individual by a pronoun, you can always just use their first name. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with their first name, right? So Colton is over there. Right, right. Colton right. will be here soon. So you don't have to use a pronoun at all if you're not you know, familiar with it, if it feels unnatural. What if someone is refusing to use uh, someone's preferred pronouns? And this will happen. I will be very honest. In the workplace, this will happen. We have feelings about the pronoun. We don't agree with it. So we don't know why we have to use it. Uh, So it's important if you don't agree um, to still just use their first name. This isn't something that would rise to the occasion of getting written up if you refuse to use it, but this could rise to the occasion of bullying. That person may be repeatedly asking you, mm-hmm. this is how I would like to be referred. Um, please stop you know, calling me he when I would like to be called she. Um, and this person just refuses to do it and kind of has that like tone about it. So um, just manage it as you can. It, as the employee, if somebody's refusing, just reach out to your manager or HR and we'll kind of come in and help mediate the conversation and make it more comfortable for you, but always speak up. And how do you address a big group? A big group? You know, a lot. I say, hey guys, is uh-huh. my, my terminology and a lot of people do. Uh, so here's some suggestions. We can say, hey everyone or everybody, hey friends, Hey, y'all, or all y'all, if it's a big, large group, right? Hey, folks. Mm. Um, This tends to be gender neutral and addresses the group at large. And if you start practicing using these terminologies, it'll be more helpful because there could be a group that you're unfamiliar with that has someone that goes by a pronoun that you're not aware of yet. All right. Well, thank you, Heather, for stopping by. We're going to put this information on our website at kob.com. Disturbing. So 
then you kind of wonder, okay, well, if it's just adults, if we're just being nice to adults that come up with this kind of stuff, like maybe they've lived their whole life and now they realize they want something else, like why shouldn't we appease that? And then you get a lot of questions from the left that say, why do you even care? Why can't you just use the pronoun that we create? I don't know, because maybe online I'm hearing people demand that we call them uh, Satan pronouns, devil pronouns, animal pronouns, zer, z, whatever they come up with. And it's kind of hard, first of all, to remember them. And it for a good reason. People are like, well, why not just put it in their context? That's a reason that I heard. Why not just put in your phone the pronoun that the person desires next to their contact? Maybe what's wrong here is that we need to have an understanding of how society functions of the objective truth. To me, this is about objective truth and society functions on a set of rules. One of those rules is called the gender binary, the sex binary. There's men and there's women. They have certain biological differences, certain primal differences, and that matters. Almost every language on this planet has a a gender to words and, and has feminine and masculine forms of words. Because this is something that's existed for thousands of years. And now we have woke ideologues that are telling us that we've been wrong, humans have been wrong for for this long, for all of human existence. All of a sudden it's wrong, and all of a sudden we're going to experiment on young kids, not just adults, but we're bringing it into kids. So my answer to people on the left that ask, why do you care so much? Why does it bother you what pronouns someone picks for themselves? Why can't you just call them whatever they ask you to call them or whatever they self-identify as? Um, One, I believe in protecting objective truth. We must have objective truth in society. If not, chaos sets in, and I think that's what they want, at least the political leaders. And two, I care now a lot more because you're bringing it to a level of indoctrinating our children. The basic aspect of raising children, educating children, and parenting children is that they don't know how the world works. Their minds are forming. They are supposed to be taught by authority, parents, loved ones, the adults in their life that care for them how society functions. And when you have parents that for too long have trusted the government school system to not do anything too sketchy, to teach our kids reading, writing, math, science, how to be a good person, an educated, well-rounded person, when we send them on the school bus and then we find out that crazy things are happening in the classroom that disrupt our child's understanding of society at its most core and basic levels, yeah, then we've got to step in because it's abusive. It is predatory to change and manipulate and distort a child's perspective and perception of all human society and how we function. To teach a child that you can just pick a pronoun, a gender, a sexuality, all based on a radical ideology that has been created over the last decade and really exacerbated over the last decade is child abuse. It's sexualizing children. It's confusing them at an abusive level, and we can't stand for it. So with that being said, that was a crazy annoying video, right, with the pronouns at the news station. But I want you to listen to this because this video just came out from Libs of TikTok of a second grade teacher. Okay, so it took a couple of days for me to make this TikTok um, without crying because that's what I do. Um, please ignore the dog bone crunching behind me. Anyhow, um... One of my students uh, felt safe enough to share his pronouns with me. And when he did so, once the class knew that I knew, they all switched pronouns. 
they're second graders. Like I'm torn between being really, really happy to be a safe space and just absolutely furious that an entire group of second graders has to keep this secret from not safe people. Why are kids feeling unsafe? And furthermore, why does everyone talk about how, how are the kids gonna understand? The kids fucking understand it. It's easy for them. It's the adults who have all of the frigging issues and hangups and bullshit. Kids are fine. Okay, disturbing or what? Disturbing or what? We are confusing our children to a level of mass abuse. Mass predatory sexual abuse. And I can't I can't stand it anymore. I already know what I'm going to do. I'm not sending my kids to public school. And I'm going to raise my children with a firm foundation and understanding of society and the world around us. I, as a parent, will take that responsibility of educating my children on history and civics and finances and economics because I don't want the government to teach my kids that. And now guess what? I don't want my my government classroom or whatever that I'm funding with my taxpayer dollars to be teaching my kids biology and sex especially. It's disgusting what they're saying. And it's confusing children to a level of sexual abuse. I can't stand it anymore. If you are worried about this, you really need to make sure if you're sending your kid to public school that you are aware of what's being taught. Because like this teacher just said, she has one student that she convinces to come out as trans or whatever, and then all of the all of the class then changes their pronouns. That's how children operate. That's why they deserve more than being manipulated as political pawns by mentally unwell teachers that should not be in that position to begin with they deserve stability and they deserve to feel comfortable knowing that adults are leading them in the wholesome and good direction of becoming young innocent minds that will mature into strong citizens that's the whole point of being an adult and helping a child come of age but right now we're not doing that for our kids but yeah, to wrap it up, that's right, you guys. Joe Biden has COVID one year after he told us that if you're vaccinated, you can't get COVID and you can't spread COVID. We have AOC pretending to get handcuffed, only adding to the the division in our country, the frustration, the political frustration in our country, playing political games while we are all struggling to put food on the table. And what do you know? Teachers in second grade are teaching their students that they can just change their, their gender pronouns. And what do you know? Kids go, oh, I want to do that, and they just hop on the bandwagon. We must protect our kids, and we must focus on the real issues here. We can't get distracted by these political players, the political games that are happening out of Washington, D.C., and seeping into our communities now, especially via the education system. You guys, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show. Please give me a worded review, a five-star review. If you could do me a favor, I would really appreciate it, and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.